We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. And so I'm going to make a new covenant. He says it's not going to be like the old covenant, which is dependent upon you and dependent upon your performance and your ability to keep my commands. Here's what he's going to do instead. Verse 33, but this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. So now he's talking about putting the law inside us. When it comes to following instructions, we are constantly falling short. Even in the Old Testament, the Israelites frequently disobeyed God and had to go through a process in order to be forgiven and save themselves from God's wrath. But do you know how you are saved? Pastor Dan describes today how God made a new covenant with us through Jesus. Following your salvation, Jesus bestowed upon you the Holy Spirit, who not only guides you in your daily life, but also assists you in keeping God's covenant. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 26 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. think about this. Jesus knows that Judas is embezzling money from the ministry. He knows that Judas was planning to betray him that night and deliver him into the hands of the religious leaders to be crucified. But Jesus treats him as the guest of honor at the Last Supper. Later that night, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Judas shows up with the soldiers to arrest Jesus. Look down at verse 50. Down at verse 50, look at what Jesus says to Judas when Judas shows up in the garden of Gethsemane with all these soldiers. Jesus says to Judas, friend, friend, why have you come? Jesus doesn't say, you son of perdition, friend. The other gospels tell us that when Judas sees Jesus, he kisses him on the cheek and Jesus says to Judas, Do you betray me with a kiss? Because you would embrace someone with a kiss that you would embrace someone that you love. So are are you going to betray me with a kiss? You're you're saying that you love me while you're you're betraying me? Here he, he says, friend, friend, why have you come? At the dinner, he treats Judas as the guest of honor. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And when we consider how Jesus treated Judas, he's demonstrating love, love for his enemy. He's doing good to those who are betraying him. That's what it looks like to love your enemy. 
He goes on in verse 24 to say, the son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. What is going to happen to me is just as what is written about me. Isaiah 53 comes to mind. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born at all. That's a very sobering verse. Judas ended up in hell. And Jesus says it is better to never exist than to exist and end up in hell. And hell is a real place. It's as real as heaven. And hell is so awful that Jesus says it's better to have never existed at all than to end up in hell. So then Judas, who was betraying him, who was in the act of betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He doesn't say, Lord, is it I? Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said to him, you have said it. That's a way of saying, yes, it is. Now, John's gospel tells us that at this point, the devil entered Judas, and Judas was possessed by the devil, and he's devil-controlled. And Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. And then Judas got up and he left the dinner. What you do, do quickly. So what did Jesus go, or what did Judas go to do? Well, it's not recorded for us in the Gospels, but under Roman law, Judas would need to appear before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, to accuse Jesus of a crime so that Pilate would send soldiers to arrest Jesus. That's what the religious leaders paid Judas 30 pieces of silver to do. And when Jesus is in Gethsemane, later in the chapter, Judas will come with a detachment of Roman troops and the temple guard to arrest Jesus, which tells us at some point here, he goes to Pontius Pilate. He makes this formal accusation of a crime against Jesus. And Pilate then sends the Roman troops and the chief priests send the temple guard now to arrest Jesus and Gethsemane. At this point, though, Judas leaves the dinner, and once Judas left the dinner, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, or what we call communion. Judas wasn't present for this part of the dinner. The Lord's Supper is for believers. It's not for unbelievers. It's for people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Look at verse 26. It says, as they were eating, remember, this is a Passover meal. And Jesus will take the Passover meal and transform its meaning. No longer will it commemorate God delivering Israel from physical bondage in Egypt. From this night forward, it will represent God delivering mankind from spiritual bondage to sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed and broke it, And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Now, obviously, Jesus doesn't mean the bread was literally 
his body or that the wine was literally his blood. The disciples present that night did not take Jesus literally when he said, this is my body and this is my blood. The bread didn't turn into his actual body. The wine didn't turn into his actual blood. You don't derive that from just the plain reading of the passage. Jesus is speaking symbolically. The bread of the Passover meal was unleavened bread. It was bread without leaven. Leaven in the Bible is symbolic of corruption and sin. The unleavened bread represents Jesus's body. Jesus was without sin, making him the perfect sacrifice for our sin. If Jesus had sin, he could not atone for our sins. He would die for his own sins. He couldn't die for our sins. He was without sin. He was sinless, the Bible says. 1 John 3, 5 says, Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. He had to be sinless to be the sacrifice for our sins. And he died in our place as our substitute, dying on the cross. Again, verse 27, he says, he took the cup. And he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so it's here that Jesus establishes a new covenant or a new testament. That's what the word testament means. And so in your Bible, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament, the old covenant And the new covenant, and this new covenant, Jesus establishes here at this Passover meal, the night before his crucifixion, and the new covenant is established in his blood. And the word new here, it's not just new chronologically, it's new in quality. It's a better covenant he's establishing with better promises. And God actually promised he would make a new covenant In the old covenant, he said he would make a new covenant. So this isn't something that Jesus is just pulling out of thin air here. I think I'm going to establish a new covenant tonight. No, this was promised in the old covenant that God would need to make a new and better covenant. If you go back with me to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. So so we're in the the Old Testament. We're in the old covenant here. Before the new covenant or the New Testament is established By Jesus Christ at the Last Supper. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Again, new in quality, a better covenant. And he says in verse 32, this new covenant, it's not going to be according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. That's the Passover. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Here, God says, there's going to be a day when I make a new covenant. It's going to be a better covenant. It's not going to be like the old covenant. The old covenant, they broke. They didn't keep it. The old covenant is the law. And the old covenant says essentially, here's the law. Here's what I want you to do. And if you do this, God says, I'll do this for you. If you keep my commandments, then I will bless you. 
And so the old covenant is contingent on us, on man, keeping the commandments. And if you can keep the commandments, well, then you're righteous. The problem is we're sinners (laughs) and we can't keep the commandments. The problem is not with the old covenant. The old covenant was great. It was holy, just, and good, the Bible says. The problem is with us. We break it, just as he says here. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church, and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. You broke it. He says, even though I led you by the hand, and I was a husband to you, I provided for you, I protected you, I guided you, I did everything I could for you, and you still broke the covenant. And so I'm going to make a new covenant. He says, it's not going to be like the old covenant, which is dependent upon you and dependent upon your performance and your ability to keep my commands, here's what he's going to do instead. Verse 33, but this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. So now he's talking about putting the law inside us, where before it was external, written on tablets of stone. Now he's saying, I'm going to put my law in your heart when you're born again. Now you're going to be born again by my spirit. And the new covenant, it's a better covenant. Why? Because for one reason, God puts in us what he wants from us. Where before it was external. Here's what I want you to do. Here's my commands. But now he's saying, I'm going to put them on the inside. I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to transform your life. I'm going to make you a new creation in Christ. It's a better covenant. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. That speaks of relationship there. Verse 34, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. We have a relationship with him now. We have have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us when you're born again. Spirit comes to dwell in you. Now we have this relationship where we can know the Lord. We don't need someone else to tell us we can know the Lord. We can have this personal relationship with you and then with him. And then the end of verse 34, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. So part of this new covenant will include the forgiveness of iniquity and the forgiveness of sin. Where God will remember it no more, he says. Now there's a difference between iniquity and sin. Sin is missing the mark. It's just falling short. I want to do what's right, but I don't because I, I, I'm a sinner. And so even though I try, I still fall short at times. That's sin. Iniquity, iniquity is an interesting word. Iniquity is speaking of that like twisted part of you that's in your mind. 
You know how you think these twisted things at times? You're in church, don't act like you don't. You know how things can pop into your head? And you dwell on things, you think things. And there's a part of you that's just twisted. That's iniquity. There's a part of you that's just bent, that's just broken. That's just twisted on the inside. And here he's saying, I'm going to forgive your iniquity, that part of you that's twisted. And I'm going to remember your sin no more. And in this new covenant, instead of it being your performance and you keeping the commands, instead of being contingent upon what you do, now it's contingent on what Jesus did for us on the cross. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets for us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins to remove our sins and to remove our iniquity. Now we're born again by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in us and God has written his law on our our hearts. He puts in us this internal thing now, this internal desire to keep his word, to walk in his ways. And he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And so, in a sense, with the new covenant, it's a better covenant built on better promises because it's like God has almost taken us out of the equation. I'm not going to depend on you for anything now. I'm going to forgive your sins. You messed up the first covenant. I'm going to forgive all that through the sacrifice. And now I'm going to put in you what I want from you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that's going to empower you. I'm going to do everything now, and you're just going to be the recipient of it. Better covenant. Better promises. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. So here he talks about this covenant that he's making. Verse 27, he took the cup, he gave thanks, he gave it to them, say, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, better in quality, new in quality, better covenant, better promises, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That word remission means forgiveness, For the forgiveness of your sins. Now, it says that Jesus took a cup. During the Passover dinner, there were four cups of wine that were part of the ceremony that they would drink at different parts in the evening during the dinner. Why four cups? That's in Exodus chapter 6. So turn with me back to Exodus chapter 6. We'll look at it together. The four cups of wine correspond to the four I will statements of God in verses 6 and 7 of Exodus chapter 6. Look at verse 6, Exodus 6, verse 6. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Here's the first I will statement. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Number two, I will rescue you from their bondage. Number three, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Number four, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And so they had four cups of wine that corresponded to these four I will statements. The first one, I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. That first cup is called the cup of sanctification. The cup of sanctification. Next, the Lord says, I will rescue you from their bondage. The second cup in the Passover meal is called the cup of deliverance. The cup of deliverance. 
Third, the Lord said, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. And fourth, the Lord says in verse seven, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. The fourth cup in the Passover meal is called the cup of praise. Okay, now turn with me back to Matthew chapter 26. We're told here that Jesus took the cup, verse 27. He hands it to the disciples for each of them to drink. And he hands this cup out. And Luke's gospel tells us that it is the cup right after dinner. The cup right after dinner that they would drink as part of the Passover meal was the third cup, the cup of redemption. And so Jesus takes the cup of redemption and establishes the new covenant in his blood. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So when he establishes the new covenant, it's the cup of redemption that he uses to establish this covenant, this new covenant, this better covenant. It's because we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Now look at verse 29, and I promise we're almost finished. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. He doesn't drink the fourth cup. There's four cups at the Passover meal. He doesn't drink the fourth cup. The fourth cup is the cup of praise. And it's called the cup of praise because God said, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And Jesus says here, essentially, I'm not going to drink the fourth cup now. I'm going to wait to drink that fourth cup, the cup of praise, when I drink it new with you and my father's kingdom. Jesus will drink the cup of praise with us in his father's kingdom when we're together with him in the kingdom age. And his people are with him and he is with his people. Then he will drink the cup of praise and we will drink it with him in his kingdom. Now, finally, verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. What was that like to hear Jesus sing a hymn? Just sit at the table, no instruments, just lifting your voices. They're probably singing from the Psalms, most likely Psalms 115 to 118. That's what they would sing during Passover. What was Jesus' singing voice like? How did that sound? What if he has a terrible singing voice? What if you get to heaven and you're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't expect him to sound like that. No, I'm sure that it is beautiful. So Jesus sings a hymn with his disciples, and then they leave, and they head out to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus will pray, and he'll be arrested. And so we'll begin the night of trials and the crucifixion the next day. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this wonderful passage of scripture. We thank you for the new covenant. It's a better covenant, Lord. We thank you that we have the forgiveness of sins through your blood. We thank you, Jesus, that you willingly offered yourself on the cross for us. That you shed your blood and you allowed your body to be crucified as the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. 
and we thank you for that today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, and he has more to share with you next time. How is what you're hearing from this book landing in your heart? If there's anything that's prompting you to seek out more questions or to ask for prayer in any way, would you be willing to give us a call and talk to us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever you might be wondering or thinking about. Our number is 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from this first book of the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to teach on from Matthew, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue growing. There's so much to appreciate by reading God's Word. We hope you'll tune in next time and be a part of our listening audience right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes Reach to